kind of changing things up a little bit. Man, y'all can stay here for just a second because I want to kind of share something with you. Um, the name of Jesus Christ is a controversial name. You don't hear the name Jesus in the news. You don't hear Hollywood actors and actresses talking about the name of Jesus because Jesus is controversial. And even in the term happy holidays, people are trying to obfuscate the fact that it's about Christ, which is Christmas. The name of Jesus has become controversial. And, and you see that over and over again in the media. And you cannot find a place, it's diff, I won't say you cannot, but it is difficult to find a place where Christmas is really talked about. And you certainly can't find a place where the true meaning of Christmas is talked about anymore. It's become so clouded and so obfuscated that you just can't, you can barely see that it's about Jesus anymore. I, I wanted the, the kids to stay in here for just a second because I want to show you guys a video, right? And when this video starts playing, if you guys want to head down, that's fine. But I want the kids, I want you guys to stay in and see this video. If you will be seated for just a minute. Because if you remember the Charlie Brown Christmas, <laughs> everybody's like, man, this is Simple Church. You are crazy in here, right? Linus is going to bring the word for us this morning. Right? You didn't expect that when you woke up, did you? You didn't expect. But Charles Schultz was bold enough to put in the Charlie Brown Christmas Linus sharing the true meaning of Christmas. So I want you guys to watch this video and, uh, and look what, what Linus says Christmas is all about. We're going to be talking about this today. Charlie Brown, completely hopeless. Rat! You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat! I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you, God, for the fact that Christmas is about Jesus Christ. 
that um, even though we get distracted by things and yes, we like buying gifts and we like giving gifts and giving is an important part of who we are as Christians, but Lord Jesus, I just pray that right now uh, for the next few minutes we might be able to tune into your Holy Spirit and listen and be close to you and God, as we just rejoice in the fact of the fact that you sent your son Jesus for all of us, that that's what Christmas is all about. And Lord, all of the, the things that we've, we've made it about, Lord, I pray that that would fade into the background. We would listen to you. We would be close to you, God, not just for the next few minutes, but throughout this coming week. God, as we go about the busyness of this world, Lord, in order to prepare for Christmas, God, I pray that we would take time to stop and think and pray and we would prepare our hearts for Christmas. Lord, it's about you and it's not about us. It's about what you did for us. And God, we just want to rejoice in that fact. I pray that your word would change somebody's life forever today. God, that we would give you the praise and the glory and the thanks for all that you do through your word and through your praise and worship. Be glorified now as we look at what you have to say to us. Father, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so obviously we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. And you're like, man, I didn't know we could make church all about Charlie Brown Christmas. Well, it's not about Charlie Brown Christmas, but I am thankful for Charles Schultz and being bold enough to put something in a cartoon. Now, this, you have to understand that this was done, I think, in the 70s. It's, it's a very old cartoon, so it's been a while, and I don't know that you would find that in any cartoon today. It would be very hard to find that unless you're watching VeggieTales or something like that, something that was obviously Christian you would be hard-pressed to find something that was supposedly secular where they had inserted Jesus into it, right? Why? Why is that? Because people are fearful. People are genuinely fearful of the fact that, that, that they uh, may have to answer to God, that there is a God of the universe that, that is looking at them, looking at their lives, that they are accountable, accountable to Him, that he is greater and beyond our comprehension. See, we want to take things and put it on our level, and we want to do things that make us feel comfortable. Well, I want you to know that when Jesus came to this earth, it shook everything up. It took everything that everybody thought that they knew and turned it on its head and said, no, what you thought that you had security in, what you thought that you knew, you really didn't know at all. You were actually wrong. And... Charles Schultz, and, and, and you may not have noticed this, but I want to put a picture up on the screen for you. Charles Schultz, there's a particular point when Linus is doing his monologue in this thing. There's a particular point when Linus drops his blanket. Now, if you know anything about Charlie Brown, you know that Linus never drops his blanket. Linus never lets go of his blanket. Linus's blanket is his form of security. It's, it's, it's what he holds on to. It keeps him warm at night. It, it's, it, you know how kids are with their blanket. They love their blankie and, and like they don't want to let it go because that's their form of security. It's something of this world that, that we hang on to as little children. Well, let me tell you something. As adults, we have our own security blankets. We have some things that we hold on to and say, well, this, this is where I find my comfort. This is where I find my peace. I'm hanging on to this. And Linus drops his blanket. Let's put that picture up on the screen. The reason... There's the, the point at which Linus drops his blanket is this. It's when he says these two words, fear not. Fear not. And Linus drops his blanket. See, people were fearful. People were fearful then, just like they're fearful now. But they're fearful 
not because of, 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 of things, if you know what I mean. They're not fearful of things. They're not fearful of, of, of the things that are happening around them. That's what I'm trying to say. They're not fearful of the things that are happening around them. They're fearful of two things. There's two, two things that they're fearful of. They're fearful of who they are and who God is. You see, there was a lot of comfort that they felt because they thought that they had God in a box, if you will. If you look out throughout the Old Testament, they knew they had a prescription for, for this is what it means to be righteous. This is what it means. You just hang on to these few things right here, and you do these things, and then you'll be righteous. You just hang on to these few things, and, and you'll be righteous. And, and the Pharisees even took that to a greater degree. They said, we're going we're gonna to so adhere to these things that, that, that we're going we're gonna to elevate ourselves to a level of righteousness because of the things that we've done. And when Jesus came, he said, there's a problem with your mentality. There's a problem with the way that you think. It's not what you think. Because there are people out there that, 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 that don't have all the stuff that you have, don't have all the opportunity that you have to check all these boxes but that doesn't mean that they're any less righteous because they haven't checked all the boxes that you've checked. Jesus says there's blind people and you're looking at them and you're saying the reason they're blind is because of sin in their life or sin in their parents' life and that's the reason they're blind. He said you've gotten it mixed up. He said there are poor people out there. They, they, they can't offer the sacrifices that you guys can offer. There are poor people out there that don't have the same opportunity that you have. But that doesn't mean that they're any less righteous. See, I think, I think that, that the, reason, the reason you don't see Hollywood mentioning Jesus Christ and you don't see the media mentioning Jesus Christ is that they're fearful. And, and the name of Jesus is controversial because what, is, what does Jesus do? Jesus puts everything on the same playing field, doesn't he? He's the great equalizer, if you will. It's either Jesus or it's not. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many things you do. What matters is Jesus and Jesus alone. And let me tell you something. That was the problem that the Pharisees had with Jesus. They see, he said he was the son of God. And they're like, well, that messes up all the other things. See, we were supposed to be able to elevate ourselves and be able to put ourselves up on a higher plane with God because of the things we did. And Jesus said, no, it's not about that. And I believe that's the reason that a lot of people are fearful of God is because Jesus is a great equalizer. See, we want to we put our comfort and our hope and our safety in the things that, that we have done and what we can, we can do. We want, it, we want it to be in the things that we can do. And Jesus says, it's not in the things that you can do. It's everything about what I can do. And people don't want to humble themselves to come to Jesus and say, it's not about me. It's all about you, Jesus. And that's the reason that you see Christmas being so covered up by all the other stuff. It's because the name of Jesus is controversial. The name of Jesus means that everything is the same so long as it's Jesus. So let's go back and let's look at God's word. Let's look in Luke chapter 2 what it says. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Cornelius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. 
He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant. And while they were there at the time, the, 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 at, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The very way that Jesus came into this, this earth was, was the fact that it was in secret, right? It was quietly done, and nobody really knew about it to begin with, right? He, he, was, he was laid in a feeding trough, wrapped up in strips of cloth. They, they didn't even have a, a room for him to stay in. As a matter of fact, they didn't have a place for them to go, so they said, here, here's a stable, a barn, a cave. There's no telling exactly what kind of place this was. If we want to be historically accurate, it was probably a cave where they were able to, to keep some of their, their uh, livestock. And here Jesus as a baby was, was laid inside a feeding trough, wrapped up in just strips of cloth that they had. In relative obscurity, Jesus was born. He didn't come in with the grandeur of a king. He wasn't born in a castle or, or, or a famous palace or anything like that. He was born in a lonely manger. In relative obscurity. You see, I, I think that, that this is a picture. This is a picture of the thing that, that, that people don't like about Jesus. is the fact that Jesus comes for everybody. That Jesus comes for the lowest of the low. Even for the highest of the high. For them also. But he comes for the lowest of the low as well. People don't like to think that, that, that we're all in the same playing field. They would rather be elevated, and Jesus came to turn all of that on his head. You know why? We, 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 feel, we find such comfort in the things that we can do. If we can do it, then we feel like, well, I can do more, and I can get more, and I can, I can be more. Jesus says, you can't. It's only me, and that's where you find anything is in me. And here we find Jesus born into relative obscurity, but, but it doesn't end that way. It starts out that way that, that nobody really knows about Jesus being born, but it doesn't end that way. Look at what it says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid, he said. If I had one thing I wanted you to remember this Christmas... Is that we are to not be afraid. We're to not be afraid. But, but, but we have a tendency to be thinking, well, I'm going to be afraid of things like, like cancer. I'm going to be afraid of things like, like my spouse dying. I'm going to be afraid of things like, like um, uh, something happening to my kids or what might happen to my job or, or all of this kind of stuff. But that's not really the source of fear. The true source of the fear is, is recognizing who we are and who God is and the fact that this place that we live, the place that we dwell right now, is not our doing, but it is all God's doing, and this is a temporary situation that we live in. See, because I know that, that you stay awake at night worried about your job, and I know that you stay awake at night worried about your spouse, and you stay awake at night worried about your health and the health of your kids, and I know that, okay? But if you will stop and just think for a minute about why you really stay awake at night, There'll be one of two things happen. Either you'll recognize where you stand in your relationship with God and you'll be able to fall peacefully to sleep or you will stay awake because you know that you're outside the will of God and it will keep you awake. And it's really just one of those two things. And the media and all that, the reason they stay awake at night 
It's because there are these glimpses that God gives them about who they are and who he is. And it keeps them awake at night, and they don't want to admit it. And because of that, they just don't want to talk about him. They don't want to talk about who Jesus is. They don't want to bring up the name of Jesus. They want to take Christ out of Christmas and call it Happy Holidays. Because the name of Jesus is controversial. Here you see these shepherds. Now see, shepherds are kind of looked down upon in society at this point in time. Yes, um, David, King David was a shepherd and, and uh, we know that he you know, became king and all that. But in general, uh, shepherds are kind of looked at as kind of dirty because they kind of slept out in the fields. And they, uh, specifically, they slept out in the fields mostly during the summertime, which by the way, we celebrate Christmas in winter and that's okay. But it just happens to be a time that we pick that we do. But let me tell you that, that most likely that they were abiding in the field, so it means it was probably warm outside and not cold, so it was probably not this time of year. But that's okay. We still take time to celebrate Christmas as a time when, when Jesus was born, and that's why we celebrate. But here the shepherds are abiding out in the field. They were dirty folks. They didn't really bathe a lot. They weren't considered very educated. They, they weren't considered like the upper echelon for sure. They were kind of considered lower of the low, and, and they weren't even really allowed to participate in some of the, the worship activities that other Jewish people were able to participate in. They were kind of seen as unclean in a way. And here we have God showing the whole world that it's an equal playing field, that it doesn't matter how dirty you look, it doesn't matter how, how filthy you may seem, even if, even if you know, spiritually checking all the boxes you haven't done that, Jesus is announced to these shepherds abiding in the field. And I want you to understand that this is not two or three angels that, that came. This is not just a couple of guys that, in, in white robes and, and wings that came up and said, Woo, you know, Jesus is here. Yeah, that's the no noise they would have made. Woo, you know. That's not the way it would have worked. It says a, a heavenly host. A heavenly host. So I, I, don't know, I, I don't know exactly what it looked like. I wasn't there. But I can just imagine that the entire sky was filled with the presence of God. And these shepherds who weren't really allowed to even worship the same way everybody else was allowed to worship, all of a sudden, in an instant, they're in the presence of God. And I imagine it didn't just wake them up from their slumber. I imagine it shook them up in their shoes where they were. Going from, from being somebody that was looked down upon in Jewish society to now, you're in the presence of God instantaneously. I can imagine that when you recognize who you are and who God is in that instance, that it would be very, very nerve-wracking. You do realize that, that this is going to be us one day, right? And people don't like to... To think about it necessarily unless they're in right standing with God. If they're, if they're not in alignment with Jesus Christ, then it kind of scares them to death. But it's the reason they don't talk about it a lot. But one day, all of us, some of us, some of us it'll be 20 years, some of us it'll be 40 years, some of us it may be 80 years, but all of us will be standing in the very presence of God. Can you imagine at that point? Can you imagine at that point what you're going to feel like? My prayer is this, that it won't be a place where you're trembling and in fear. You might be in awe and a holy reverential fear for who God is. But my prayer is that it won't be at that point in your life you go, I never acknowledged who God was until this particular moment. There's no evidence in my life that, 
that, that God reigns supreme, and, and I was in the very presence of God my whole life, and this is the first time ever that I've really recognized the fact that I'm in the presence of God. At that point, if you haven't committed your life to Christ, it's too late. It's too late. These shepherds, they're, they're lonely shepherds. They, they, they aren't looked at as anybody in society. And God chose these shepherds to announce to them that, that the Savior was born. Let's look what it says. It says, don't be afraid. Because I imagine they were trembling, being in the very presence of God. And here it says, don't be afraid. He said, I bring, good, I bring to you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snow. Sn- Wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a host of others, the armies of heaven. Listen to this. Praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth and to those whom God has pleased. When the angels had returned to to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So here, these lowly shepherds, they're, they're, they're out there. and they, You see, when, when you're a Jewish person, you, you've been told all your life, the stories that have been passed down to you, uh, reading the, the history of the Jewish people, you know about a Messiah. You, you know about, about a Messiah that is to come to save his people, to redeem his people. Now, I want you to understand something here, that, that the people in that day, in that time, they really kind of had this idea that, that because the Romans are in control of us, in which we see that at the beginning of Luke chapter 2, the Romans had decreed that there was supposed to be a census taken. So everybody was moving around. Yeah, I can imagine it's busy around because everybody's having to be shuffled from one town to another, back to the place of their, their ancestry, so they have to be counted. And this is heavy on the people's mind at this point in time. It's, it's, they're thinking about the fact that they're under Roman rule. They're having to go to this place and that place because the Romans said we do. So when the Jewish people understood that, that a Messiah was to come, they thought, well, he's just going to remove the Romans. He's just going to take them out, wipe them out, cut off their heads, something, and we're going to be free again. We're no longer going to be under Roman occupation anymore. We're just going to be free. So that's conceptually what they had in their mind. And let me tell you this. When Jesus said that, that I came to set blind people free and, and preach the good news to the poor, they were like, I didn't think that that's what the Messiah was supposed to do. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really him? Are you really the, the one that was come to set us free, to, to, to let us go? You see, everybody in that time had this concept in their mind about what it meant to be set free. And Jesus turned that all on their head. How short-sighted would that have been of God if it was just to get rid of the Romans? No, he came to set everybody free for all of eternity through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the real Messiah. But here, this, this, this host of heaven's armies, is saying, the Messiah has been born. The Savior has been born. And it was announced to these shepherds sleeping out in the fields. Now, us in our lives, what's our struggle? Our struggle is this. It's this short-sighted picture of God. That, that, that we think that, that Jesus came for the purpose of, of, of making us healthy or wealthy or he's going to fix this problem in my life or that problem in my life or, or once, 
Once I gave my life to Christ, that everything's going to all of a sudden get easier. And that's so short-sighted. It really is. Let's say for a second that Jesus said, great, I'm coming into your life so I can, I can fix all your problems. Your bank account will be full. You'll have a nice car. Your relationship with your husband or wife that was broken, it's all going to be fixed. Your kids are going to they're going to be obedient and they're just going to they're going to do whatever you tell them to do. Would that would that make us happy? Is that is that would that be like okay, well that's good. That's reason enough to rejoice in the fact that that Jesus came to just fix all the junk that's messed up in my life. That would be so short-sighted. That would be so short-sighted to think that Jesus is just going to take care of me for the next 40 years, 20 years, 80 years, whatever the case may be for us. How short-sighted would that be? To say that, man, we just want, I just need you to fix this stuff right now. I'm not going to give you any hope for the future, just for right now in this life. And, and that's what you get. And some people would be satisfied with that. But that's not the power of the gospel. That's not the truth of the gospel. See, the truth of the gospel goes way beyond just this life, this time, right now, what struggles, what ails you. And look, I know that Jesus, we can come to him and ask for things. I mean, he's the author of good gifts, so we can come to him and he instructs us to continually be in prayer and asking for the things that we're hurting with or struggling with and, and all of these things. And sometimes we get these miracles that happen in our life and we rejoice and we say glory to God and praise God. But there are some times when we say glory to God and praise God for the things he doesn't give us, for the unanswered prayers. You know why? Because the gifts that he gives, the really true good gifts, are ones that are eternal. Eternal. Just like those Operation Christmas Child boxes we packed out there. Yes, man, it is good for those kids to get a slinky or a toothbrush. And that is wonderful. But it would be so short-sighted if that was all it's about. I'm wearing an Operation Christmas Child shirt today. It says, what goes into the box, the shoe box, is fun. And on the back of my shirt, it says, what comes out is eternal. That's what it's about, y'all. The same thing that gives us hope is the same thing that causes other people that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, that have no acknowledgement of who he is and what he did. That's the very same thing that causes their fear. It's because it's eternal, and they have to think about themselves in an eternal sense, and it freaks them out. It just does. You know why? Because they've been putting all their hope and all their trust and finding all their comfort in themselves. And as Christians, we find it all in Jesus. We find it all in Jesus. Now, I love the fact that this is a giving church. And I love that we do shoeboxes. And I love the fact that DHR can call us and say, I have kids that have needs because they won't get anything for Christmas. And, and, and we'll step up to the plate. And we have so many people that are willing to do that. And I am incredibly grateful because, look, I'm the same way. I, I want to be able to provide, okay? But if we are just doing that, if we're just providing for the physical and not providing for the spiritual, we are missing everything. We're missing everything. And I am going to tell you something right now that is so heavy on my heart, it makes me want to throw up. 
Listen to me, please. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Listen, I know that you want to give your kids a good Christmas. I promise. I know. I get it, okay? I do too. And, and I would give everything I owned right now in a split second if I could have two minutes back with Kenneth, okay? Look, I get it. I, I would love to be able to... I would, Love to be able to give her everything and her to just spend Christmas with us. I get it. I love my kids, all right? I love Cassie to death, and I would sacrifice my life in an instant for her, okay? Let me tell you something, though, y'all. Please listen. Please. You've got to provide for more than just the physical. You can't just give them gifts on Christmas. That can't be the end of it. You have got to provide for your children spiritually. And let me, I have to tell you this. That's not the responsibility of the church. It's the responsibility of the parents. And listen, I know some of you don't have parents. And I know some of you have parents that don't know Jesus. That's why God gives us a family. That's why he gives us loving moms and dads who will welcome you in and adopt you into their family and just say, hey, I will pour into you. I will provide for you spiritually. And if you can't find somebody like that in this church, you come to me and I will be that for you. It would be so short-sighted if we only provided for our kids for Christmas, if we only gave them video games, y'all, iPads. MacBooks, is that stuff going to last? Is it going to be around in 20 years? What about on Christmas Eve? (laughs) I'm making an appeal to y'all, please. Look, we, we open up a gift on Christmas Eve, right? A lot of people have that tradition, right? You open up a gift... Some of you pick the gift out for your kids. Some of you. Some of you let them pick out the gift. I'm asking you to give your kids the gift of God's word this year on Christmas Eve. I don't, you can give them a present. That's fine. But I'm talking about, I'm not even asking for something hard. I'm just asking for you to pull out God's word and you read Luke chapter 2 to them. That's a tradition in our family and. It's the greatest gift I could ever give to Cassidy. It's the greatest gift I could give to Kenneth. You see, because I can't give her stuff right now. But what I gave her when she was on this earth was God's word. And that's the only thing that's eternal, y'all. It's the only thing that lasts. When we talk about providing... Think beyond stuff. Think beyond us. Think beyond what we want, what we desire, what gives us comfort. Think about what truly gives us hope and where our hope comes from. And it's not in stuff. It's just not. And these shepherds... um, because the angels and, and the heavenly host had spoken to them, they said, let's go. 
us go and see this thing with our own eyes. They wanted to experience it in a personal way. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone that they, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who had heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Because of what had happened to the shepherds, they were changed forever. Not, not just for the next 20 minutes, not for the next two years or 20 years. They were changed forever. They, they went back to the, to the fields going, I'm not low anymore. I'm not way down here anymore. I'm in the presence of God and God came to me and God revealed the Savior to me. They went away changed. They went away changed forever. And only God has the power to do that. You can't fix yourself. You can't make yourself. You can't change yourself. You can't check enough boxes to make yourself okay. You just can't. And that's... That's the, the reality that people come to when they struggle with drug or alcohol addiction. That's the easiest thing to, to look at and see. That when they come to the end of themselves, they go, I can't. And then a lot of people come and they say, God is the only way. Jesus is the only way. And when they finally acknowledge who he is and what he's capable of doing, then things start to change in their life. You see, that's the after result. Because their hope has been shifted from this life, from a bottle or some sort of addiction or something like that. It's been shifted towards heaven. And their hope has changed. And because their hope has changed, everything else around them changes. That's what happens. You say, well, 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 well God fixed their life because they came to Jesus. No, what happened is God fixed their eternal life. And then things in their, their, the rest of their life started to change because of that. It was an after effect. So many times we tend to look at the after effects and point to that when we need to be pointing to the, the one true effect, which is Jesus Christ. And Mary, bless her heart. You know, she had imagined the fear that she had in her heart. And she, I imagine that, that she was terrified in a lot of ways because she was pregnant and didn't have a husband. Her, the, the guy that she was supposed to marry, that she was engaged to, she had to tell him, look, I'm with child. I'm, I'm got a child coming, and the Holy Spirit gave it to me. You think that was a nervous conversation to have? And here she is. She's terrified. God, is this real? What happened? I don't understand. I mean, she knows, she knows what her life has been like, and she knows that she hasn't done anything. All she knows is that, that this angel appeared to her and told her she was going to have a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And I imagine she was in turmoil. Imagine there was a lot of fear in her heart and things she was anxious about. Are they going to stone me to death like the Jewish law requires? All of these kinds of things that she was worried about. And then she has this child, and she thinks, imagine for a second, 
You said this was going to be the Son of God. This was going to be the Messiah that saved everybody. And I don't even have a place. I don't even have a place in the hotel to stay. How, how can this be? How can this be, Lord? I, I figured at the very least you would have opened a door with the innkeeper so I could at least have the child inside as opposed to outside. How could this possibly be the case? We don't even have some place to lay him. We're having to lay him in a food trough. And that's the only place we got. And this is supposed to be the Son of God. I imagine there were lots of things that were in turmoil in Mary's heart. And then all of a sudden these lowly shepherds come out of their fields. Now for, for a shepherd to come out of his fields and leave his flock, it's got to be a big deal. And they leave the flocks behind and they come and they say, let me tell you a story about what happened to us tonight. Let me tell you a story about how we were asleep out in the fields and we were watching over our flocks and God showed up. God came. We were standing in the very presence of God. This wasn't just any ordinary night. God spoke to us. And regardless of what anybody else says, God's changed us. And God is who He says He is. And Mary heard this. And I imagine there was a smile that came across her face. And she said, you are God. You are real. Your promises are true. And though there may have been some doubt in my heart earlier today, it's all different now. Because I'm just a teenage girl. But you're God. And that's what matters. Has this been your perspective of Christmas thus far? Is this the first time you've paused to think about who God is? What He has done and how He's come in the person of Jesus Christ to save all of mankind? He came to save us from our sins. That's the purpose. To save us from our sins. Have we put our hope and our trust in too many things that aren't God? Have we been distracted by those things that, that are just there to distract us? Have we paused for a minute to give our kids, to give the people we love, the true gift that is eternal, which is the truth of God and the promise of God? My prayer is that, that we do that and we'd be people like that. We'd be people that see beyond just this life and right here and what needs to be fixed in our life. But we have our eyes fixed on the eternal. That that's what Christmas is to us. What goes into the box is fun. And what comes out of the box is eternal. Let me pray. Father, I know that because we are broken people and we live in a fallen world that, God, we are easily distracted and we often forget the truth. Lord, but I pray that this Christmas, God, as our hearts may be filled with fear because of any number of reasons, because of sickness or or financially, God, maybe we're struggling or things just aren't lining up the way that we thought that they would. God, I pray that we would find our hope in the eternal. That we would celebrate, we'd sing praises to you, we'd, we'd go back to our lives glorifying and praising God for the fact that you have sent us a Messiah, you have sent us a Savior to save us from ourselves. God, we put comfort in ourselves, we find comfort in ourselves so many times. We try to find comfort in the things that we can do and what we're about of the things that we care about, without acknowledging who you are of what you have done. 
God, I pray that this Christmas we would find hope in you and you alone. That our perspective would be taken from this world and put to the next. God, as we see beyond ourselves, as we look to the eternal. God, thank you for this precious word. It reminds us, God, not only of who we are and the fact that we're so short-sighted, but God, it reminds us of who you are and the fact that you're not short-sighted, that you are eternal. And you came to save each and every one of us. That you drew us to yourself. That you loved us in spite of ourselves. That you went to the end of yourself, even to the point of going to the cross for all of us. May we celebrate that this Christmas. May that be the overflow of our heart. May we focus on the eternal. May we take the focus away from ourselves and focus on you. This is a time for us to celebrate you and to worship you. We pray that you receive glory and honor from it. Our Savior and our King, the Redeemer of our souls, the one that sacrificed himself for us, we praise you. It's the name of Jesus, the controversial name of Jesus that we do pray and we worship. Amen.